0: Hello and welcome along to 101 Part-Time Jobs. I'm Giles Bidder and this is the podcast where we get Snoopy into artists' lives and find out what they've been up to behind what we get on the record and the videos and everything else online. I'm so excited to welcome the last Morel, Yorkshire guy. His new EP, Sarcasm, is out now. Go and listen to that. This is the party beneath this track. So excited to speak to someone from Yorkshire. Need to get more people from Northern England on this show. This is the 91st episode, and we're getting there. I've got something to announce on the 101st episode. But thank you so much for listening, as always. And I've been looking to get a new feature going, and that is getting your stories from your part-time jobs. Whether it's horrible, whether it was heartwarming or profound in some way, or if it's just, a, or if it's just an absolutely ridiculous story, record it on your voice notes and email it to me, 101 podcast at gmail.com. And in a couple of weeks, I'll be picking some of the best. Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part time jobs. They've been making music inspired beers since 2011, collaborating with Mastodon, Idols, Sports Team, and a whole bunch of other bands. If you go onto their website, signaturebrew.co.uk, you can make an order to be delivered directly to your door. And with the voucher code 101podcast, all capital letters, you can get 10% off. All right, here's the last of morale go well. Thanks for joining me, James. Thank you so much for being up for it. My pleasure, mate. My pleasure. Thank you for having me. I was just saying how um, you know you got to start somewhere, don't you, with with anything?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, where, so how did it how did it start with you? Gosh, I mean, um, in terms of like music playing or work music, or what? Where, where particular? We, we could start at me being seven years old playing guitar, or we could kind of start at my career starting, I guess, in my early twenties. What would you prefer? <laughs> what was the first gig? first gig I ever did was playing um, my friend's younger my friend's younger brothers uh, like 12th birthday party <laughs> nice they paid, didn't have a choice I got 50 pounds for that. And, uh, oh, that's not bad. It's pretty good. I was mean, a, a four-piece band, so that was a tenor each plus ten pounds in the pot for you know merchandise or something.
0: <laughs> that's what touring bands get paid now. I've,
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> things really haven't improved for us. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and did you? Was that a band that you started with your mates? Like how? Oh yeah. Can you? That what was, was that kind of feeling behind starting.
1: That it? was fu- that was fully my first ever band. I was in a rock band at school, and I, you know at the time I was listening to. Pearl Jam and Alice in Chains, and yeah. uh, Stone Temple Pilots. So I was really, really grunging it up. I was a big Chris Cornell fan. So, so it was my first forays into actually playing live and writing songs, and they were probably terrible. I mean, they had some probably really, really bad songs. Um,
0: well, I think when you're that age and you're into those kinds of bands like Stone Temple Pilots mm. or you know Chris Cornell type stuff, that their production is just so you can't even imagine how to make those sounds on your own, can you?
1: Yeah, and it's just like the kind of vocal that people like Chris Cornell or Lane Staley from Alice in Chains, the kind of vocal that they were achieving, that really gritty, pained, mm. you know, they were all heroin addicts. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, there was such like an emotion in their voices that I could just never achieve as a pubescent boy.
0: <laughs> I always thought it was quite hard to look at those bands, like songwriting quite objectively, because you can see how, you know, a band like Blink-182 or The Offspring, mm. you know, you can see how you can kind of emulate that with with those grunge Seattle bands. Mm. It's a bit harder, isn't it?
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean there was just some like really good interesting guitar playing going on at the time that was a bit over my head maybe when I was a teenager. Um and just yeah, they really I think when I was listening to that kind of music as a teenager, they ended I ended up going into things like Porcupine Tree and some kind of prog stuff and yeah i always it's kind of definitely stuck me in a path of always liking to hear things I wasn't expecting um mm. do you know what I mean totally yeah. I think that's such a good thing to get into i think we I think it's so easy to just um get into one thing and and stick with it mm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, no, I definitely, uh, and it definitely gave me a kind of toxic mentality at school. You know, I was so anti-pop music when I was a teenager because of it, you know, I was like, God, this formulaic bullshit, man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, at some point you have to, I mean, compromise is the wrong word in this, in this situation, isn't it? But you know, when you're writing music now, um, I mean, obviously there's a lot of years between those, but Mm. when did the pop sensibility start creeping into
1: your mind? Do you know what? I think, uh, I mean, after that band and then I went off to uni and and uh, and I didn't study music. I did a, a fucking geography degree, which was great, but unrelated. Um, and I was mm. still playing all that kind of music up, up up through that period, you know, still doing the rock thing. And then I moved to London and realized that people don't like heavy rock music in, in modern society. And I was living in the past and that was fine. I, I still enjoyed it, but it kind of made me go, okay, what's what's everyone else listening to? What am I missing? And that was the mm. first time I'd really appreciated that I was wrong. <laughs> um, so how serious were you at that point? You know, I was, in my head, I was always going to be a musician. Um, like that was always ever going to be. But I think at school, it was taught to me quite reasonably to play it safe, you know, have a plan B and naturally things that you make, mean to be your plan B end up being your plan A. So I was encouraged to do very sciencey subjects at school. And then I went and did a geography degree and then even moving to London, you know, I, I got like a graduate sales job. I was doing cold call sales, you know, selling advertising yeah. and and I've done all sorts of jobs that weren't music because best be careful just in case music doesn't work out, you know? Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So moving to London was my first step into like, right, I'm actually going to fucking do this now. Um, and Had you been having to push that feeling down,
0: that sort of motivation? Had you sort of not want to bring it up? To, you know people
1: you're dating yeah. or family you know what it was more like it was my my dream you know and it stayed as like just the dream so I was doing mm. you know whatever job I was doing at the time and then being a musician was the dream and maybe I'll do a gig in a pub somewhere and some guy from Universal might just be there you know a bit like Jez in Peep Show I was very much like <laughs> <laughs> just yeah. eluded and like thought it was just gonna happen one day if I practice really hard and then I realized that, you know, I was living in Newcastle at the time, which is a beautiful city. Um, and there is, there is industry there, but for me, I was like, oh, well, I need, to, I need to go to London. That's where the work is, you know? Uh, mm-hmm. And then when I got here, I, I decided to learn to play keys, you know, as I was a guitarist really. And then I taught myself keys just to make myself hireable as a session musician. I thought that's a good doorway in and, you know, uh, and yeah. that's when I really started having to open my ears and and consume pop music more voraciously than I ever had done before.
0: The thing I find interesting about all of that is you've clearly been quite smart about it. You know, I mean, even though, even though you might've felt like jazz with that <laughs> dream in mind, you also, and it stuck out to me when you said, if you worked really hard, if you practiced really hard, mm. you know, I-, I think a lot of people think it's going to come to them. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing, but mm. you know, in this day and age, you have to not only rehearse real hard, but you've got to take the ball by the horns, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I um I always felt slightly disadvantaged that you know my 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 peers and my flatmates and friends a lot of them all went to music uni and and took that path and therefore they had those connections at 21 that would get them gigs and get them in with musical directors and things like that and I always felt very much behind the curve because I'd done a different it's de- like I'd done a science degree and my yeah. jobs you know post that were I was a support worker looking after disabled people. I did bars and restaurants. I did the corporate sales thing. I've taught, you know, I've done all sorts of other stuff. And I've always been like, shit, I need to, I need to really pull my socks up and catch up with these people. And that's actually really been a powerful motivator for, for, you know, just keeping up with people who I think are the best, you know. All of those side
0: jobs, Mm. did you struggle getting through those days knowing that, (sighs) did you feel like you didn't belong there? I mean, there's quite yeah, a few jobs in there. But.
1: Yeah, I mean, like, yeah, I've, I've done so much, um, so many different things. And yeah, I always felt like I could do them and do a good job and enjoy those jobs because they were a means to an end.
0: Mm, you know, I've yeah, I, i yeah.
1: I've never held down another job longer than a year other than teaching. I teach music in a primary school and I still do that one day a week kind of because they're, they're very flexible around touring and things like that. So they're really good. Um, but... But yeah, I never held down a job longer than a longer than a year because it was like, right, I've done this for a year. Why am I not a musician now? Next, you know, and like what's going to yeah. enable me? And and it all kind of led towards me working in a pub. And then I started getting things like function gigs. You know, I was singing in wedding bands and playing keys and guitar in wedding bands. Again, going through this whole imposter syndrome thing where I realized, you know, I think my one of my defining moments was probably playing a function at do you know Poppy's Fish and Chips in Camden? Uh, yeah,
0: I think I know the one by Spitalfields. Yes,
1: of course, the one in Shoreditch as well, yeah. So I did a function in, in gig with a just insane band. You know, these guys were all church guys and they could really play. And I was like, Christ, I really need to get better again. <laughs> um, yeah. So it was just, it's been a constant journey of that for me, really. When was that? What year was that at Popeyes? Oh, that would have been 2016, I think. That was the year I decided to learn keys. Yeah. I think it is funny how the
0: years just kind of blur, especially oh. when, you, when you're when you doing something creative. I know that sounds really lame and like a cliche, but yeah. it's, it's like that, right?
1: There's a great lyric. Um, uh, the years just pass like trains. I wave, but they don't slow down. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, Time waits for no one. Yeah, though. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, totally. I think the older you get, the, the less a year represents in your life, of course. And that's why we feel that way, isn't it? When you're four, a whole year is a quarter of your life, you know, when you're 25, 26, suddenly those years mean a lot less in terms of the chasm of your actual existence so far. So yeah. Absolutely. I think it's
0: a disease as well of comparing yourself to people. Mm. Um, I quite often, what I have in the past, I've looked at people whose jobs I would like to do (laughs) and I look at how old they are.
1: Yeah. And and like, there's no other field where, I mean, maybe acting as well, but there's no other field where you're, your measure of success is um, has to be at the peak by the time you're thirty. You know, any mm. corporate position or any any other facet of of, of a career, you know, fifties is where you peak, isn't it? That's yes, when you're the top. Oh, this job. is why
0: folk folk music's great,
1: right? Yeah, because you can <laughs> still you can still be old and doing the damn thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But pop music, that- you know, I mean, like I I do session session gigs as as my like my main side job, as it were. And, you know, I know for a fact that when I'm in my thirties, the the pop auditions will gradually start to slow down, you know?
0: How does that work being in a, in a session band? Do you go to an audition that you find online
1: or? Um, it's one of those connections, it's pure nepotism, uh, the, the foundation, you know, and that's why that was that kind of whole, I need to catch up with people thing, because I didn't have those connections out of university. So I came to London with a friend who's an, just an insane guitarist and he got a session gig and gradually built up the contact base around, around that kind of stuff. And gradually you get known amongst musical directors who are putting together bands. And I've done a lot of auditions and I've, you know, done a lot of gigs where I just get a call and say, Hey, you know, can you do the one show next week with the Shires? (laughs) That's, that's wow. You know, it's kind of, it's kind of wild. It's, it's pretty sporadic sometimes. And, you know, I mean, this year was supposed to be my big year of touring as a session musician. I was, I was, um, I'm playing for the support artist on the Dua Lipa tour (laughs) oh wow yeah yeah so like lots of cool things like that that obviously have been canned for the time being but next year hopefully you know
0: i'm imagining a kind of extras style in music world
1: Oh, Ricky Gervais? You mean extras, as in Ricky Gervais? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that, well, you know, it's not as the good thing is that like, everybody's super, super nice. <laughs> there's not this kind of. I'm thinking of the scene with his his mate, who he's always been really competitive with in extras. You know the guy? <laughs>
0: I don't know the one, but I could just completely imagine it.
1: Yeah, there's no, there's none of that really. Everyone's like super nice, but of course, like. You know, there's only a few people that play keys and guitar and sing like me, so I'm just like, oh, that motherfucker got that fucking gig. That's my gig, man. You know, <laughs> see, so you know people
0: who are who are on your sort of they're they're your opposite number, as it were. Yeah,
1: yeah, and we call In each other when we can't do something, so we still have good relationships. But it's always like, oh man, I wanted that gig. It's it's brilliant. and you get
0: paid all right for that sort of stuff, don't you?
1: Yeah, I think so. It's hard to compare it, really, but um, probably get more than touring. For oh, yourself, maybe. God i yeah. <laughs> um I mean, even
0: if you were doing quite like a big tour, I imagine, you know, it's not a whole lot of money.
1: No, I it? think I think for someone at my level, you know, I'm I'm still kind of I'm unsigned, I'm managed I'm unpublished. I'm like hitting all the BBC introducing kind of hot lists and doing that kind of stuff. Um mm. but if I was to go on a support tour, you know, I mean most people pay to go on to support tours you know yeah you hear about it don't you yeah oh in pop music i think that's pretty much the standard you know so i know i know full well that when i do my first tours as my my own project um i'll be going out by myself probably with a piano and a guitar maybe a good friend will join me for some london dates and those kind of things but i know really that Mm. affording to pay musicians is not something i'm going to be able to do for a while unless i get signed
0: well it's good to not be any under
1: you know not be under any false pretenses right yeah and i think like doing the session thing has given me a quite a glorious insight in how not to spend money you know you watch some people some people like just fly and then some people you're like god they're wasting that money on that and i've really learned how to manage myself to a degree so far um so it's been it's been really valuable kind of insight i guess do you see are those two
0: different you know are those complete two completely different worlds for you the session musician and then the last morale
1: yeah yeah I think so I think um you know I most of my contacts in the session musician world is with other musicians and and the artists themselves I don't really get a look into the industry you know I'm not I'm not constantly sat at the same dinner table as as record label like A&R people or managers and things like that so yeah the two the two don't run side by side particularly well I have to really and often as well if you if you get a big tour you have to kind of put the the of solo projects on, on a side thing. And really the reason I moved to London is to be a solo artist or, you know, do that thing. So, so the session thing is kind of a side gig for me and and it's kind of hard balancing the two if one gets busy.
0: I think exactly what you said, that's the crux of this whole podcast. And it's just interesting how everyone has a different story and how everyone everyone's brains react differently to different situations. Mm. Um, I'm definitely from the world of, of rock and punk music where, you know, a lot of people were just drinking coming out of that i'm like oh i wish i was smarter you know i wish i was more mm. like you i suppose man you know <laughs> just like no know- just knowing exactly what i was doing and not just kind of being like oh well i'm on this train track and it's going to take me somewhere you know being in control of your own destiny
1: yeah i mean it's it's interesting isn't it when did the rock star image change from being the kind of drunk you know attitude filled layabout to suddenly mm-hmm. having to be a businessman i think uh for me it was dave groll of all people yeah you know like yeah. he was in nirvana you know he was like dropping four tabs of acid and like doing all the wild stuff and then all of a sudden you know you see food fighters and you see he's like he's a driven businessman and and you know ultimately i think um that's that's kind of a model I, I hope to emulate you know i mean i'm not I'm not, I'm not i'm not in a suit but, um, but No,
0: I, I, I get that about Dave Grohl as well. He's clearly out there to have fun, mm. but it's organized fun is, again, a bit of a cliche, but you know what I mean? Yeah. He's obviously smart. He's obviously organized himself. I mean, I, I, I would love to speak to Dave Grohl and just be like, yeah. at what point did you realize you're going to have to be smart about this?
1: Yeah, he's a super interesting dude. I mean, I think, I think my feeling is, you know, I might only get one shot at this and you know Mm. and because I haven't been you know I don't have those just those connections you know you see you see people Mm. I've worked for people before and there's no point in naming names but it'll be some 19 year old kid and they'll be like I'll be like wow your songs songs are kind of cool but like how did you get that huge deal with a like whatever the label is it'll be like oh yeah well you know my mum's on the board (laughs) it's just like okay so that's how you got where you are and I don't I just don't have that yeah I don't have any of that so I know I've got to make it by myself relatively speaking and therefore I might only get one shot at meeting the right people and I don't want to be hammered or high (laughs) when I meet those people it just doesn't fly in 2020 so so yeah. yeah got to be relatively sensible that sounds so dull doesn't it but it's true
0: no, but I mean, you can have fun doing that. That doesn't mean you can't have a beer and have, have a laugh. It's yeah. just kind of like knowing what's the priority.
1: Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. And Lord knows I love a beer, so <laughs> no danger of not.
0: When, I mean, are there any circles in, you know, that kind of pop music world that you're in where, you know, a group of people that you are like, you know, I want to be hanging out with them. I want to be running in the same circles as them. Is, is there a scene as such like that?
1: I think... um for you. yeah it's interesting i mean in, i am in a little scene of, of people um that's just kind of naturally formed and scenes are kind of a strong word we're just friends you know it's just yeah, i, I yeah, live yeah. i live in a house in northeast london with three of my good friends who are one's a drummer and one's a guitarist and another one's a guitarist and and then next door to us is a concert violinist and another jazz pianist and they happen to be friends cool. with ours. so there's like six of us all of a sudden and then you suddenly find that your friends all start coming to the house. You meet people, and it's just like all of a sudden you're in this nice little bubble of musicians, and everyone's giving each other gigs. And you know, it's like Great. we kind of built our own little scene. And um, some of the guys are on some really good, really big pop gigs. Um, and um, and yeah, everyone stands to kind of benefit from being in that kind of circle. You know, it's um, it's quite nice. Thing. You can see that. I
0: think you need to be friends with people who are on a similar level to you.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I've because you
0: get, bounce you bounce off each other and you don't feel, you know, isolated from, mm. you know, if you had housemates that were getting up at 7:30, come back at 7:30, mm. you you might feel like, you know, a layabout or a reprobate, you know, because yeah. you're at home making
1: music. And the best thing is, you know, like I I mean my motto has always been to surround myself with people who I think are better than me, you know, mm-hmm. um in whatever way it is where, you know, my flatmate Michael, he's just one of the best guitar players I've ever met um and so I'm always been like right how well what would Michael do you know and like surrounding yourself with people who are better than you just pushes you forward you know my other flatmates learned to be a proper producer in lockdown and it's like fuck cool that's so good everyone's kind of pushing themselves and therefore kind of vicariously pushing each other it's it's kind of sick and talk about your lockdown story with the video which is amazing (laughs) yeah thanks and the Jesse Ware shout out yeah 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 it's I mean it's it's good. That Jesse Ware thing, you know, that first Radio 1 play I've ever had, that happened a month into lockdown. So that was a nice little beacon of hope kind of moment. And then yeah. and then I just realized, you know, I was like, fuck it, I really need to just put out a record this year, you know, make 2020 something positive. And I've always had this obsession with stop motion animation. And um, if you, you ever see the video for Bed Shaped by Keen. Do you know that one?
0: No, no. But I saw you talk about that in an interview with Wonderland, I
1: think. Yeah, yeah. So like some there's some really key kind of videos, uh, animated videos from from back when I was a kid that really affected me. I suddenly, you know, I always found myself being affected by animations more than I was by actors. I've always found kind of right. actors and music videos to be a little bit cringe sometimes as well, because people are usually yeah. going, I want to do this 10 grand budget video, but with 500 quid. Um, so animation yeah. was a way for me yeah. to kind of do it by myself, you know, the budget was about 400 quid. I think I spent on everything for the video and I just spent six months learning how to do animation and, um, and yeah, I've got one no now.
0: <laughs> that is so good. And for anyone listening who doesn't, who maybe hasn't, you know, most people haven't seen how mm. much a music video costs, people spend thousands upon oh, thousands ridiculous. of videos that do not look like that.
1: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I mean like to, to pay an animator to do a video, you'd be spending at least, I I I would guess, between five and ten grand because it's just so yeah. time intensive, you know. um so to do it myself but of
0: course the other side of it is that when you get artists like that who are you know you're all creating you know you're all making art from 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 nothing right Mm. and it is and it is funny how you know i think musicians probably get paid the worst oh
1: yeah (laughs) absolutely we're we're the bottom of the food chain for sure you know you know and why is that do you think Uh, i think it's because everybody is queuing up to do the job so you know i'm very lucky the artists that i work for treat me really well and their managers do as well but but it's a common story that you know a tour will get changed and the band will find out last and it's not a case of asking the band if they're free it's like okay so you know a tour was supposed to be going on next week it's cancelled now we can't give you anything for the time mm-hmm. um it's going to be moved to september and it's like holy shit that's the money i was going to pay my rent with you know and they yeah, can do that because yeah. there's always somebody ready to do it because they want to go on the tour as always somebody else who is willing to do it and they're willing to do it cheaper or you know all that kind of stuff so it's a very very competitive job role really totally yeah and you know you mentioned
0: earlier that you know don't have a label or a publisher or an agent or manager yet Mm. can you
1: see that changing yeah i mean um i think those things kind of happen quite naturally at the moment I'm, i'm managing myself quite happily um but but you know, I'm kind of I'm reaching the stage where I'm opening opening myself up to the idea of having a team. I think it's getting to the stage where I need need some more people on board. You know, there's only so far mm. I can I can take it. And to be honest with you, obviously, I only just want to do the art long term anyway. You know, I don't yeah yeah I don't re- you know uh, when you do your own PR, you have to read the feedback because <laughs> some people will yeah. say some people will send you back like yeah we love it we're going to feature this in our blog or we're going to add it to this playlist. And some people I got a hilarious review for the party. Um, from some guy and sometimes it's just like some old dude in Nashville who loves music you know he writes his own blog and nobody reads it but you know and and some of the reviews you get some of them are just fucking hysterical Um, and you have to learn to not take them to heart you know like it's, um, it's quite a it's quite a exhausting process you know doing things like submit hub god damn like i mean yeah that stuff yeah all those mental.
0: uploaders are hard
1: mm, yeah so but I then you get
0: a couple of ones like amazing radio which is so good yeah
1: i mean um, that's that, that's a great one i mean the i guess the biggest thing for me you know bbc introducing have been like my real bastions of support they've really been behind me since the beginning you know uh um, what's
0: your story with them how when was you know when was your first correspondence
1: i uh, okay. uh i uploaded my first single fine now to the uploader about three weeks before the release date thinking it'll take them a few weeks to listen to it and um they listened to it the next day and played it on that that weekend show which was annoying because i didn't have the single out so anyone who listened to the song couldn't actually go and listen to it <laughs> and they made it record of the week and it was just like for oh, no fuck's sake so i learned a lesson but But ever since then, uh, the guy who runs the the introducing show where I'm from is a guy called Jericho Keys, and and another guy called Adam, and they're just like they're just really, really like uh, tuned into like the local talent. Um, So, so yeah, they've been they've been really behind me from the start, and I got to play like that BBC introducing live thing at Tobacco Docks last year, and no way, um, cool. Yeah, it's been really good. They've been great.
0: Tobacco Docks is a funny place
1: it is isn't it yeah i've rehearsed there once and it was really weird but um it's such a cool place with some interesting history i think as well i, I can't remember but there's some crazy there's
0: some... history where it, that's where news international was is it where now? all the strikes happened like where the papers where all the all the papers were oh um, wow fucking murdoch
1: <laughs> fucking
0: um, murdoch. <laughs> have you do you feel like you've explored london quite a lot since being here
1: yeah, I mean, I've always been a North London guy. I guess. <laughs> I mean, I've always lived in northeast London, and I am from vaguely the northeast of England. So there's maybe some weird nice. relation there. But um, yeah, where are you,
0: Walthamstow? Or I was. Kind
1: of no, I, I I first lived in Wood Green, um, nice. and then I lived in Walthamstow, and then now I'm kind of Stokey, Stamford Hill, and great. Yeah. Well,
0: the the brewery that sponsors this podcast, Signature Brew. Oh yeah. Yeah. Only up the road.
1: Oh, mate, I love Signature. I used to work in a pub and we, uh, yeah, so signature, signature beers, beautiful stuff. It's great. It is, the lager, the
0: red lager.
1: Yeah, oh, man, great. It's really tasty. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: So, I mean, just to end with, when, when the Jesse Ware thing happened, you know, I don't want to sort of beat it around too much, but it is a great, you know, that's a great contextual, you know, that's great contextualization for, for, for someone trying to, you know, listen to your music, you know?
1: Mm. Yeah, it was... Um, it was really affirming for me because the music I'm making, I, I didn't picture myself being pop music in inverted commas, pop music. Mm. Um, just cause like some of the themes are uh, like a little bit weird and the, the song structures are not like, it's not your typical pop songs, you know? And, um, I didn't think I was going to get radio one plays and things like that. Um, so it was, it was really nice to actually have that affirmation that maybe I could, slip into the pop category um totally uh so yeah that was great i couldn't believe it
0: (laughs) and it's not it's not it must be nice knowing that you know that's not the be all and end all it's a nice feather to your cap you know Mm. um and it and it's it's a nice way for people to find out about you but ultimately does it does it change the way that you see yourself and you know what you're going to do in the future
1: no i think it's it's nice but like any accolade once you've got it it's you forget about it pretty quickly and you're like what's next you know you kind of not to forget about it I'm still super appreciative obviously for the play but I'm already like I'm already like how do I get my next play how do I how do I do how do I level up from here what once you stand standard for something it's like okay I have to go above that next time so how do I how do I go about that so so there's no yeah there's no complacency here I mean like one radio play on radio one is awesome but I want to be you know I would be lying if I said I didn't envisage myself headlining the pyramid stage one day you know <laughs>
0: brilliant fucking A. well we'll have to do another one next year and then just one a year from every no, you know every sounds year now james sounds good <laughs> <laughs> awesome thank you so much what are you up to tonight for the rest of the week uh
1: the rest of the week i'm doing some production stuff i'm actually recording the next animated v- music video at the moment because i'm mental oh, cool. Um, <laughs> ah, i'm great. doing a 2d animation for the party which is the 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 first single off this ep that's just come out a um, bit more upbeat and it's kind of like a sarcastic look at trying to leave a party but being unable to because people keep thrusting drinks in your hands so it's a bit more fun um, brilliant but it's, it's sarcastic I mean the sarcasm is the name of the record it is yeah but I mean that's probably why you know I have realized at the end of it I was like god you are a sarcastic fuck but um but yeah so I'm, I'm just gonna be doing lots of animation this week and in the run-up to Christmas and probably forever really it takes so long <laughs>
0: yeah have you have you got a schedule or are you just kind of beating away at it?
1: Uh, I'm beating away at it because trying to trying to put a schedule in place is just um, it everything takes longer than you think you know I spent so much time I basically got all of my friends in this one. I've basically like drawn cartoon bodies and got pictures of their heads um pulling different facial expressions to kind of stick on the bodies it sounds kind of weird oh I mean, if yeah If came to my room they'd think i'm a fucking creep i've got like 350 photos of heads on my desk um being being john malkovich uh i haven't seen that you know i saw it for the first time the other
0: day i don't want to like come across like i'm you know i saw it in 98 <laughs> i saw like i saw it three days ago <laughs> uh,
1: it's a bit but about- everyone's seen it apparently is it yeah I don't know. It does look, in, is it funny or is it weird or both?
0: Uh, both. I actually kind of didn't like it. It made me feel a bit too weird. I like watching easy stuff, you know.
1: There's a place for both, isn't there? you know like there is the people who pretend to be so cultured they would never watch the expendables i'm just like yeah get over yourself man <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah dude tonight actually i I've want to watch paddington too so
1: <laughs> that's absolutely fine i tried to watch the matrix last night have you obviously you've seen oh shit yeah of course but years ago oh, man it just has dated badly <laughs> really oh it's just I, I know it's a good action film but like just like the script and like the whole story i mean like the theme of the, the, the idea of the story is so sick but like it was quite hard to watch and they've got these huge nokia mobile phones that are like flip phones it's just like <laughs> the whole and the computer's are about 15 feet, feet thick you know it's like it's kind are of the great. action
0: scenes okay
1: yeah but it's definitely really dated the way they do kind of uh is keanu reeves and i've forgotten the guy's name he plays morpheus but they do these like this kind of like kung fu scene and it's almost like it's almost like they're taking the piss
0: <laughs> <It's> almost- <laughs> they probably were they're probably having a laugh between takes weren't they? yeah
1: it's probably a bit problematic but it's um <laughs> it's fun i mean it's fun isn't it
0: everyone listening to this will have to go back to it oh
1: yeah i mean it's a it's a cult classic isn't it you can't knock it but i just did we can yeah. start <laughs>
0: we can start a discord server about it yeah <laughs> brilliant james thank you so much mate i really appreciate it my pleasure it. dude thank you so much for having me so there he is it the last morale here on 101 part-time jobs please rate and review the podcast let your friends know about it and get in your stories send in your stories of work mishaps i want to i want to hear all of them 101 part-time jobs podcast at gmail.com i'll be waiting i've been working all day coming mate
1: on the side running around like a blue ass fly i've been working yeah i've been working